This is the Lunduke Journal podcast for Sunday, September 11th, the year of our Lord, 2022. Uh, today we're talking about the news. It's what we do every Sunday. We talk about the good news, the happy news, the important news, Linux and Unix and alternative operating systems and retro computing and all the things that make you happy deep down in your soul from the tips of your toes up through the tip of your nose. And we got a bunch this this week it makes me really happy. I love the news this week. This is my favorite. Since we started doing the news every weekend, this is my favorite week so far. I mean there's been good news before, but not like this week. So let's start off start off with something ridiculous and awesome. The Apple Two desktop has been updated. This is this is so cool. So for those of you who don't know what this is, the Apple II desktop is a real Mac-like desktop. It's it looks like an old school Mac Finder or the uh, or the GUI from the Apple II GS OS. You know, mouse-driven Mac style. A little Apple menu in the top left corner. The works. The the rounded menu bar up top. Well, actually. Does it have a no? Not the rounded menu bar up top, but it looks like it might as well. Um, and it runs on an original on the old Apple II, which was really cool. And this was originally like a third-party thing. Apple acquired it. I wrote a whole article on this and a similar product that existed back then, some months back. I linked to it in the article over on Substack. Uh, but it got updated. And what's re- what's really cool about this is we're talking about software, GUI software for an Apple II updated with new features and bug fixes in 2022. That's insane. That's nuts to me. I I I it boggles my mind how cool that is. So what they added, you got to go check out the screenshots cuz it it it's the funniest looking thing. So the the main feature, it really only adds a little bit. It adds a couple of bug fixes, a few little tweaks, and honestly, like half of the changes are like uh, a letter needs to be capitalized there, or the display of a hotkey in a menu item looked a little weird, so they fixed it. You know, stuff like that. It's really fit and finish things. But they added something. They added a desk accessory. And if you don't know what a desktop accessory is in the Mac world, in ye olden times, the Macintosh did not multitask, right? The Macintosh did not multitask for many years. It was a single tasking system with one notable exception, desktop accessories. Now, desktop accessories, you could almost think of them like if you came from the DOS world, they were like TSRs, Terminate and Stay Resident Programs. They ran in conjunction with whatever other piece of software was running. So, for example, one of the most popular ones, really there was two that everyone used. A little notepad, like the stickies. You remember remember stickies on a Mac? Those were desktop accessories. As was the calculator. The standard old school Mac calculator was a desktop accessory. And what was cool about that is you could have a little sticky up with, you know, little notes and copy and paste to and from those notes and type notes and a calculator up at the same time as whatever piece of software you were running. Now, you could only have one application running 
but the accessories, you could have a couple of them up, right? So it's it was it was that Macintosh way of adding a little bit of that uh, multitasking goodness without actually adding multitasking. So the Apple II desktop, it also implements that same functionality. So they have these desktop accessories in there. Again, same thing, calculators and notepads and whatnot. Well, they added a new one, a CD player. Let that sink into your brain for a moment, because when you say it out loud, it doesn't sound that cool. This is for an Apple II. Now, there was an Apple CD drive, right? There, it's a thing that existed and it could be connected to an Apple II. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute, a CD-ROM connected to an Apple II? The answer is yes. That's a real thing. And this little, this little desktop accessory is called CD remote. And it has all the standard CD, you know, play, pause, forward, back, skip, shuffle, whatever, repeat, and it has a little compact disc logo on it and all of that. You can use it to play audio CDs on an Apple II. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. That is awesome. I, I'm sorry, but that's neat. That's just super neat. I can't, I've got a screenshot up of it. Go check the screenshot because the screenshot's not anything fancy. It's not like there's a cool visualizer. There's no amazing effects. It's this monochrome black and white, well, really green and darker green screen where, because that's what the Apple II desktop uses. It uses the highest resolution mode for the Apple II available, which is all mono, which is basically just black and white, right? Or really, you know, light green and dark black that has a green tinge to it uh, but two colors anyway but it has a cd player on it i mean i never thought in my life that i'm gonna wake up one day and use a mouse and to open up an application to play an audio cd on an apple II. i i'm guaranteeing you that neither was nor jobs thought that either <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, I've got the links over there for that. Uh, you know, who knows how long folks will continue updating things like the Apple II desktop, but I hope it's for years. I hope it's like the year 2073 and we keep getting little tiny tweaky updates to these things because how cool is that? Um, all right. Uh, next little bit of news. The GNOME team did a big blog post, and it's a long one. I won't go into everything on it because it's so long. On the an update to GNOME Shell Mobile, and to be clear, you may call it GNOME, but I say GNOME because I am human. Um, now, GNOME Shell Mobile is really the GNOME team's official way forward that they envision for the user experience on mobile devices, on phones and, and tablets, but mostly smartphones. And I, I love looking at this stuff. I love seeing what people in the different, different projects and different communities are coming up with to make Linux a little bit more usable on smartphones. Because let's be honest, it has a ways to go. It is doable. It is absolutely doable, despite what many people might say, to use a Linux smartphone as your daily driver. However, there will be pain points. 
a lot of pain points. I mean, you have to you have to go into the process of saying I'm going to use a Pine Phone or a Librem Five or or something like that, and and know, eyes open, that it's going to get weird. Some things are not going to work right. You're just not going to be able to do other stuff, and and you're sure as heck not going to be able to use all the various apps from every restaurant and everything else that exists. I mean, that's just a given. But to see the progress being made is good. Now, as I read through this, they provided a couple of screenshots. Um, I, I, I grabbed one of them, the best looking one, and it looks nice. And a couple of videos showing things working. Um, but as you get further down their update, they provided a list of things that they currently feel are work items ahead of them. And I'm going to read some of this to you because this is not a complete list. And it's, it's a little bit sobering. All right. So they say, quote, beyond upstreaming what already exists, there are many additional things we want or need to work on to make the mobile experience really awesome, including, and I like how they say really awesome. What they really mean is, functional. All right. <laughs> Including calls on the lock screen, emergency calls, haptic feedback, pin unlock, uh, adapt cur- terminal keyboard layout for mobile. Yeah. Let that one sink in. That's more than a little thing. Notifications revamp including grouping and better actions, flashlight quick settings toggle, workspace reordering in the overview, and, and there's quite a few more. So they have a lot of work items ahead of them in order to provide not just the applications and functionality you need, but the usability, the keyboards, the settings and whatnot that you would expect to find on a phone. And that's the good news. Now here's the bad news. You're not going to be able to run this on anything anytime soon. Now we have lots of GNOME inspired and GTK based applications and desktops that people have been working on like Fosh and others on mobile devices. But for GNOME shell mobile, the official GNOME mobile experience, here's what they say. And I'm, I'm going to read this whole block to you guys. And I'll call out a few key points here as we go. Quote, The main question we're being asked by everyone is what devices do I have to get to start using this, which at this stage is especially important for development. Yeah, no kidding. Unfortunately, there's not a great answer to this right now, which I might add is an understatement. So far, we used a PinePhone Pro sponsored by the GNOME Foundation to allow for testing. But unfortunately, it is, I'm quoting here, Nowhere near ready in terms of hardware enablement, and it's unclear when it will be. The original PinePhone is much further along in hardware enablement, but the hardware is too weak to realistically be usable. The Librem 5 is probably the best option in both hardware support and performance, but it still takes a long time to ship. Understatement of the century. There are a number of Android phones that sort of work, 
but there, unfortunately, isn't one that's fully mainlined, performant enough, or easy to buy. <laughs> all, right, all, right, all right, let's walk through this a little bit here. So you can get a PinePhone Pro. However, when they talk about hardware enablement, um, they're feeling like the PinePhone Pro is it's just not usable at this point. There's just a lot of the hardware that isn't working with that version of Linux that they need for, for GNOME Shell Mobile. The original PinePhone, they're saying that when you run GNOME Shell Mobile on the original PinePhone, Pine it is, quote, too weak to be realistically usable. Now, a read between the lines there, not enough RAM, not enough horsepower. GNOME Shell is heavy. It is not a lightweight system. It has serious resource requirements. And then they, and they call it the Librem 5, and they say that it has good hardware support and performance con, uh, relatively, but it takes a, quote, long time to ship. I know people who got in on the original pre-order of the Librem 5 when that pre-order first started that still haven't gotten there. And to, and to call into point how absolutely crazy that is, that occurred when Purism, the makers of the Librem 5, were sponsoring one of the shows I used to make. And then, and then later on, I was the director of marketing for Purism. And then I wasn't anymore because I quit. And now, years later, multiple years later... After I quit Purism, which was a long time after I started at Purism, which was a long time after they announced and took pre-orders for the Librem 5, they, those people still haven't gotten their Librem 5. Now, some people have, and thank heavens. And the Librem 5 is not a bad device, but man, good luck getting one. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg, and it's it's going to take a while for you to get it, most importantly. So that's where GNOME Shell Mobile is at right now. So if you're looking forward to an official mobile experience from the GNOME project, the GNOME project, don't expect one anytime soon. Uh, look to other alternatives. Uh, but it's good to see just the same that they are making progress. I do like that. I don't want to poo-poo on the progress, but the progress, their progress report was not a uh, inspiring one. Let's put it that way. Now let's go on to something that is fun that I cannot play with because I do not have the hardware for it. Quake got ported to the Apple Watch. <laughs> uh, a developer by the name of Thomas or Toma. Uh, Vimazal. Vimazal? Ah, sorry if I'm butchering your name, buddy. Uh, he ported Quake, the original Quake, which got open sourced, Quake 1, to the Apple Watch. Right? Uh, it's using the uh, Quake software renderer, um, which means it runs at 640 by 480 uh, at 60 frames per second. That's awesome. Um, it has both touch controls, which are a little awkward looking. He put, posted a video, and I linked to the video over in the article, as well as gyro controls, meaning you can kind of move the watch around to move around. And you can use the little digital crown controls. You know, it has the Apple Watch has that little spinny wheel on the side, and you can use that to look up and down. It looks really cool. I mean, super not, 
not easy to control looking, but so cool. Uh, audio works really neat. Um, it has an audio filter for it to make it work better on the, the speaker on the watch. Um, just super neat. Just super neat. Uh, now, now, here's the thing. You can't get this on the Apple App Store. Why? Well, because Apple doesn't let cool things like this on the App Store, I, I assume. I mean, I'm assuming right here, right? I, I don't know a backstory here, but the Apple has removed so many cool apps from the App Store, like IDOS. They, they, they released IDOS, the developers did, um, which was a DOS box front end and version for iOS devices. And it was a remarkable port and it made iPhones and iPads about 3 million times more interesting and powerful. And uh, Apple pulled it because, and I'm assuming here, uh, it was too whimsical and too fun, and they just couldn't handle how much happiness that it brought into people's lives. So I, I wouldn't expect to see Quake on the App Store anytime soon for your Apple Watch, but you can get it. And if you're willing to compile it yourself, if you have a Mac with Xcode and you can compile it yourself, you can put it on your watch and you can play Quake. And it looks gorgeous, by the way. Absolutely gorgeous. You got to check out the screenshots in the video. It looks gorgeous uh, on your on your iPhone or at your Apple Watch. Super cool. All right, moving on to Haiku. Let's talk about Haiku because I haven't talked about Haiku recently, at least not enough. The month, every month, this guy named Waddle Splash, uh, his name is Augustine, but he goes by the name of Waddle Splash, and he uses a little penguin <laughs> as, his, as his little avatar um, within the haiku community. He's been developing on Haiku for years. I've interviewed him on the show quite a few times. Uh, excellent dude. Excellent dude with ex does excellent work for Haiku. One of my favorite operating systems, the open source version of BOS. Fantastic. Anyway, every month, he's a full-time developer on Haiku, meaning he gets paid by the Haiku organization. I don't know if it's the foundation or the incorporated company or whatnot, but he gets paid full-time. He's the only full-time developer on the project. And every month, at the end of every month, he he posts what he worked on the previous month. And he kind of rounds that up with what got worked on by the community. And so it, it kind of makes a nice snapshot every month. You can look back and say, wow, what all happened in the haiku world last month? So they released it, and it was a good month for haiku. Lots of bug fixes, oodles of bug fixes, a ton of improvement to high DPI support. So if you have really high-resolution displays, uh, a lot of new support for scaling and, uh, and all of that stuff, look really good. I uh, posted some screenshots. They look great. But the big news, in my opinion was buried way down at the bottom of this progress report. It appears that Haiku is about, is on the verge, the cusp of releasing beta 4. Now, for a lot of applications, this isn't a huge deal because what, you know, you go through your beta cycle, sometimes they can go pretty quick. Sometimes if you got, all right, we're in beta, all right, a new beta release next week. Okay, two weeks later, uh, beta three, and then uh, beta four is out the following week, and then we're at release candidates, right? They get their beta cycle, some, a lot, for a lot of software, can be fairly short, measured in weeks or months. For Haiku, their beta cycle lasts for what feels like an eternity. I don't remember how long it was, but we waited a long time between beta one and two. 
And right now we're in Haiku Beta 3. And it looks like Beta 4 might be right around the corner. And that's a pretty big deal for the stability of Haiku. Uh, I'm going to read a little quote to you from the, the thing. Are we Beta 4 yet? The only remaining true blocker issue is one more WPA connection-related one, which I will likely fix this month if I can manage to reproduce it. There is also another blocker related to performance problems on 11th generation Intel CPUs, but nobody has replied to Corley's request for testing in some time here, so that may be kicked down the road due to a lack of testers. Otherwise, there does not seem to be anything else remaining. So likely, at the end of this month or the beginning of next, I will begin the Beta 4 release process. If you know of any other critical regressions from previous releases or other problems that deserve to be, to be fixed before the beta, speak now. Holy heavens! It's a big deal. That's a big friggin' deal. It's moving forward. I love it. I love it. Haiku is one of my favorites. Uh, I mean... I hate to play favorites, but realistically, when we if I if I were to create a, a rank of all of my favorite operating systems currently, like the alternative ones, you know, like the Eros and Morphos and and Arca OS and 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 Serenity and Haiku and and, and all these and FreeDOS and all these systems. There's so many great alternative operating systems out there right now. Man, I don't know if Haiku is number one. But it's really close to it. It is just a great system. I I can't say enough good about it. I, I really can't. It's it's one of the few systems that's out there right now that's an alternative operating system that I can move to and use do my entire production workflow on. While there are some little niggling issues here and there. And some software I would love, love to get ported over. It has everything I need. It really does. It's fast. It's slick. It has a ton of software available for it already. Some of it is Haiku or BOS native, meaning they really built it, you know, in C++ specifically to run in, the, in that pervasively multi-threaded way that BOS was designed. And others are are cute or GTK applications that got ported over from Linux. But it's a, it's, a, it's a lot of software. I mean, it's got LibreOffice. It's got a whole bunch of the KDE Caligra type suites. Um, it's, it's got just tons of software over there. I can do it. It's got DOSBox, baby. What more do you need? <laughs> anyway, it's fantastic. So... Um, I'm going to be watching this very carefully. When it hits beta 4, you better believe I'll be updating my uh, my Haiku system to beta 4. I'll try it out, and I'll let you guys know how it goes, because that's just awesome. All right, all right, got one more item for you. That's not news. I got to be honest, this is not a brand new item. This is old. I simply had never heard of this before, and it's so cool that I have to mention it here. All right, let's put on our Amiga hats for a minute. <laughs> Some of you are, are just jump to the edge of your seats, and other you are like, why, why do I care? I've never used an Amiga in my life. This is cool. So somebody, so if you know OpenStreetMap, right? It's, it's like the, the Google Maps or the Apple Maps, but it's all open-sourced, right? It's people, 
it's not just open source software. It's an open source software, open source spec and protocol, and an open source database, meaning people have have been adding to and and administering this database from the world. It's crowdsourced in the in the truest sense of the word. And you get this 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 map database and system from people all over the world. It's really fantastic for some regions. It's not as great for others, but overall, it's pretty fantastic. Well, someone made a client of OpenStreetMap for Amiga OS. Yeah, it's called Mui Maparium <laughs> or Maparium. <laughs> and it looks great. I mean, it looks simple. It's dog simple, but it does the full mapping. Uh, it has some graphing. It has mapping. It has routes and, and paths to take um, with, with route instructions and, and all that good stuff. And uh, it looks fantastic. It, it works for the Amiga. Now, here's the thing. It's not just for Amiga. It's for Amiga-like systems, So which means they have builds for Morphos and Eros. Which means it also runs on not just old classic Amigas, but x86 and 64-bit PCs, ARM machines, the works, old 68K boxes, Morphos, Eros, and Amiga OS. It works on all of them. There's builds for all of them. Uh, I got to give a hat tip to, uh, to Zet7, XET7, from over in the, the Lunduk Journal community, lunduk.locals.com, uh, who he alerted me to this because I'd never heard of this before. He posted screenshots of him trying to get it to work, and for him, the map wouldn't display. <laughs> the application appeared to run, but I put up a screenshot of it running, from the project and it looks fantastic. I need I love that there are not just a continuation of the Amiga OS because it's still going. I mean there's still like Hyperion and and whatnot have kept this going over the years. So the Amiga 3.x line and the Amiga 4 line are still continuing development if at a very slow pace. And the Amiga-inspired systems, which have various levels of complete Amiga compatibility, like MorphOS and Eros, A-R-O-S, uh, which are just amazing. I, I, I can't, I can't, I can't high-five the people who've made these all happen enough, because it's a really quality system, and it's amazing that people have have dedicated so much time and passion and energy and love into not just maintaining a history of these machines, but keeping them going forward in the current century and, and pushing them forward and adding new software and making software that makes them compatible with, with modern technologies and like, like OpenStreetMap. How awesome is that? So awesome. Anyway, uh, I just I had to call that out because I've never talked about it before. I've never seen it before. I've never tried it before, but I need to try it now because it looks it looks fantastic. Uh, anyway, uh, so there you go. We got Haiku news. We got Linux news. We got Amiga OS news. We got Morphos and Eros news. We got Apple II news. Oh, what more can you ask for in life? If I could have had a great news story in this week, 
about like Unix desktops. That would have just rounded it out. I'd have been like, well, you know what? I'm in heaven. I can just live in this week from 2022 and be happy. (laughs) I love it. I love it so much. Uh, Thank you to everyone for hanging out with me. Uh, thank you to everyone who hangs out over at the Lunduke Journal community, lunduke.locals.com, and everyone who subscribes there or over at lunduke.substack.com. If, grab the free subscriptions. Grab the paid subscriptions. Have a good time. Whatever you do, just don't miss out. Hang out with us. It's good times. Uh, tip of the hat to all the people playing BBS games over at bbs.lunduke.com, which if you go type that into your web browser right now, it ain't going to work. Uh, you got to use a Telnet client for that. Uh, <laughs> I, I personally recommend using DOSBox with Telemate. And if that immediately made your brain go, okay, I don't know any of this stuff, uh, go, go look up on, go to lunduk.substack.com and click on the archive tab up top. There's a little search box and type uh, DOSBox BBS up there or something like that or Telnet or something. And you'll find a tutorial on how to use DOSBox and Telemate to connect to this BBS in the most early 90s authentic way humanly possible. Play some games, see what it was like hopping on the onlines back in the early 90s. It was fantastic. Uh, so hat tip to all of you over there playing Trade Wars and Legend of the Red Dragon and all that good stuff. And hope you got to do something fun this week. Hope you're having a, have a good week ahead of you with lots of nerdiness in store because, gold darn it, you deserve the nerdiness. The nerdiness brings you joys. <laughs> all of the joys. Uh, and if, if there's ever news items, man, that I miss or really cool things happening in the Atari community that I miss, let me know about it. I want to know. I need to know in my soul, baby. This is stuff that I love. You got to tell me all about it. So go post that over to the Lunduke Journal community, lunduke.locals.com. That's where that stuff all belongs. Lunduke.locals.com is really like Twitter. <laughs> if Twitter had no trolls, never talked about politics, never used any swear words, <laughs> and predominantly talked about really old computers, Unix, Linux, and uh, and things about modern computers that make us smile, with the occasional plat- computer platform debate. But I tell you, even the computer platform debates are are the most low-key, relaxed, happy things I've ever seen. I, I got to give you an example. I'm not going to use any names here, but uh, the people involved will know exactly who I'm talking about. So I, uh, the other day, uh, uh, a buddy of mine sent me a message over on Locals, lunduk.locals.com. And he's like, uh, he's like, dude, I feel like I'm causing controversy. I feel like I'm... Uh, I'm paraphrasing here in a Lunduk voice, not his voice. I feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking about platform stuff and I have opinions about computer platforms and stuff, man. And, uh, okay, dog. This is totally not what he sounds like, by the way. And, uh, and I, and I, I feel like uh, I'm just causing trouble. We're fighting about this stuff. And, you know, he's not trying not to, he's trying to make people happy, right? He's trying to be cool about it. And he's not trying to like, you know, rock the boat. He's just trying to like help people out and have a nice conversation. But he feels like, you know, hey, I'm causing problems. And and I was laughing about it over here. I'm laughing on this side of the screen because the... The place, lunduk.locals.com, has gotten so friendly 
and so happy and just everyone is so nice to each other that the slightest bit of conflict, like people going, I rather like this. And now someone else is like, well, I disagree. I like this more or I like it this way a little bit better. And people going, hmm, well, that's a good point. People perceive that as like big conflict. <laughs> You know, like the same, the same, the same discussions on most forums or on Twitter or Facebook threads would have within a couple messages devolved into people screaming profanities at each other, blocking people, death threats. Like it would have gotten extreme. Like I've seen those happen. It's crazy. But on, on London.locals.com, it's like mild disagreements where people are really friendly with each other. And like the people involved will, will message me and be like, is that okay? Like I, I don't want to be mean. Like, was I being mean? <laughs> I love it. I mean, how awesome is that? We've created this, this environment where everyone is just like nice to each other. And then they're like, they like think about it. They're like, mm, am I being not nice? I want to make sure I'm being, being cool. Like I want to express myself. But on the other hand, I don't want to be mean to them. <laughs> I'm like, dude, you guys are all awesome. Like, and uh, there's multiple people that have sent me messages like that recently. And I'm just laughing because I never have to censor people. Like there was, uh, there was one time and I don't even know what happened. Someone posted something uh, to locals like a week or two ago. And I have no idea what happened because I never, it, it all happened so fast that I never got a chance to read it. Someone posted something to locals that according to eyewitness accounts, it was not rude. It was not vulgar, but per, but it was, it was very nerdy, but it might have perhaps had a, a slight veering to where someone could have interpreted it as semi sort of alluding to a political thing. And someone else was like, hmm, is this going over that direction? And the original author was like, ah, you know what? I'm going to find a way to reword this topic. Deleted it completely. <laughs> and started over and reworded it. I never even got to see it. I don't have to censor anybody. No, no one censors anyone on this platform. Like we all, like the only censorship that happens is like self-censorship on locals. And it's all people just feeling good about it. Like I... Uh, it's it's amazing. I don't I don't know how this happened. I I truly don't. I it's like lightning in a bottle. It has become this just wonderful place where just these hundreds of people just hang out. I mean, most people just lurk and occasionally post. And it's funny. A lot of people will read the stuff other people will post on locals and then message me about how much they like it. <laughs> <laughs> I keep having to tell people, I'm like, don't tell me, man. I didn't write any of this stuff. Like, so I post all my stuff to locals, right? Like if I make an article or a podcast, I'll post it up onto locals, right? So any of the stuff you like that I make is available over there on lundtuk.locals.com, including all the perks and the books and the PDFs and all that stuff, right? But most of the stuff that gets posted comes from all of you. It comes from the community. And and, and I, I, I don't tell people to post it. People just are like, you know what? This is cool and this belongs here. And other people are like, yeah, I love it. That <laughs> they have thoughts about it. And then that spurs other people to post their own things about it. And, and like, like it, you see it spiral out of control. Like one person will be like, 
I was thinking about fourth and another person was like, I was thinking about fourth too. And then another person jumps in and, and creates a whole new thread. Let me tell you about fourth. <laughs> then other people come in and are like, are like, Hey, you guys heard about DOS? And someone else is like, Oh, here's a cool thing on DOS. Hey, here's a piece of hardware that runs DOS. I like this DOS. Oh, should we do this thing with DOS? Hey, anyone ever done this with DOS before? I want to get this sort of piece of hardware working under modern free DOS and then hop on the internet with it this way. And everyone's like, can you get an SSH on DOS? And then it just spirals out of control. And it's the, it's the happiest thing. Uh, I, it's just pure nerdy joy wall to wall. So if you haven't joined up over there, go go at least get a free membership so you can browse. If you have the the free lunduke.locals.com membership, you can't you can't see and read the comments, but you can see all the posts. So anyone can post anything, and then the comments are just for people who are the the full the full subscribers. But uh, it's great. You owe it to yourself. It's just, it's, it's the happiest place. But I always like starting the conversation of describing it to people by saying, it's kind of like Twitter. Because <laughs> it's nothing like Twitter. <laughs> anyway, love you all. I'll see you all later. And I uh, hope you have a great week. <laughs> good night, everybody. Wait, good night. It's not, it's not nighttime. It's morning. Have a beautiful day. <laughs> see you guys later. <laughs>